God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting eternal life. So the proof of God's love was proven by an act of giving of his son, his best. And God, of course, then in his son, the person of his son, Jesus, Jesus proved his love by laying down his life. He proved his love by an act of sacrifice. He gave his all. He gave his life. He gave all that he could give. And now, of course, that shows the value that God placed upon an individual's life. That shows the value that Jesus placed upon your life, my life, and all of humanity. But one soul is valuable to God. The value we place or you place upon a soul is seen by the action you take to win a person to the Lord Jesus Christ. The value you place upon a soul is seen by the action you take to win a person to Jesus Christ. There's so many different actions that you could take. Certainly every service that you render to God in His kingdom helps in the process of winning people to Jesus. Whether you're serving in the media, you're serving in the children's ministry, you're serving as an usher or an ambassador or somewhere in the service of the church, seen and unseen, you're helping. You are making a difference. You're valuing people's lives. You're showing your value by your action. And then, of course, anyone and everyone should also be a witness for Jesus, to share your faith in God, your faith in Jesus that could be shown by your action that you take on your job or perhaps in your neighborhood or uh, someone that you may meet at a place of shopping or doing business or someone you meet in the park, wherever, you can be an influence. The theme of this church, the theme scripture is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And I'll just give you just the latter part of uh, 15 and the first part of 16. It says, you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. You, as an individual, shine as lights in this world. So you have a light on the inside of you. And if you hide it, then the world doesn't see it. Some of you may have gone to Sunday school as a child. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Maybe not. Maybe you don't identify with that. But Jesus said, you are the light. When Jesus left, he came to be the light of the world, but then he left us with the light on. Amen? He did it, did it better than Motel 6. Amen? He left the light on for us. Amen? Jesus has put his light in Christians, in believers, and we must not allow our light to be hidden, but we must shine like a light in this world, 
holding forth the word of life. So that means you're going to communicate something of the word of God or the word of life. You're going to share that with others. You're going to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only in your behavior, your lifestyle, but also you're going to communicate it in your words. You're going to be a witness by your action. You're going to be a witness by your words. And so we can make a difference in our world and you can see every individual that you meet as a valuable soul. And Jesus, you understand, in Scripture, if you study the Gospels, you will find that Jesus was actually referred to as famous. He, was, he had fame among the people, the multitudes. When Jesus went anywhere to speak or he just started talking anywhere, multitudes would gather. People would just gather around. When Jesus would do miracles and, and uh, or set captive people free, demonic people, people that had been bound by demons, set them free. Uh, people were watching and they were paying attention. Or when he would heal the sick, people would gather and they wanted to see what was going on because God was showing up in this earth. And he was manifesting the Father. And he said, the works that I do, they're not my own. They're the Father's works. He, uh, the words that I speak, they're not my own. They're the Father's words. So he was expressing the Father God or expressing the Father's heart unto uh, humanity. And he was helping them to see uh, the love of God uh, toward them. That God loved people and he valued every human being. Those that people devalued, he valued. I said those that people devalued, Jesus valued. When they were uh, ready to stone the woman who was caught in adultery, uh, he said, uh, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And then he said to this woman that all had condemned all around her for her sin. And surely he understood that she had sinned. And, uh, but he didn't condemn her. He said to her, go and sin no more. Obviously, they didn't have any condemnation because they were, uh, had sinned themselves. He said, he that is without sin, uh, let him cast the first stone. And uh, if there's anybody in the room that has never sinned, uh, you can throw rocks at me today. But the truth is, everybody in the room has sinned because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So Jesus didn't condemn that woman. He gave her an opportunity to serve him, to serve God, to see the true love of God. Doesn't diminish the reality that sin is destructive. It was destroying her lives, life and other people's lives. But God's forgiveness is amazing, and his grace is far-reaching, and his mercy is everlasting, and he never ends in his mercy and in his grace. And if someone will dare to believe on Jesus and receive Jesus as the Lord of their life, they can be saved. They can be born again. God can set them free from sin and its bondage in their life and its effect on others as well. God wants to set people free. Jesus is about liberating, setting the captives free. He's not about condemning the world. He didn't come to this world to condemn the world. He said, I came to save that which was lost. Jesus came to save lost people. Lost people are people who are blind. They're 
minds are blinded by the God of this world. It says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should shine unto them. The gospel is the power of God according to Romans chapter 1. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that will believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God. If we will be bold enough to proclaim it, the power of God is in the gospel. It's just there. You can't separate the power of God from the gospel of Jesus Christ if you will just preach the gospel, if you just share the good news of Jesus Christ. Some people in the scripture actually were preaching the gospel to just add affliction to the apostle Paul. But he said, I'm just thankful that the gospel is preached. Because he knew the power of the gospel. They didn't even do it for the right motive or the right attitude with the right attitude. But I'll tell you, when you preach the gospel, even if you don't even know what you're talking about, if you say it, the Holy Spirit can take that word, praise God, and he can convict a heart of sin. But if you do know what you're talking about, the Holy Spirit would grip the hearts of those that hear you, and Jesus could change their hearts and change their lives, and conviction could come to them that they see that Jesus. Jesus is not there just to condemn them. They're already condemned. But if they see the love of God and they believe in Jesus Christ, they can be saved in a moment of time. And their spiritual life would be turned from death to life and from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. And they could be totally set free from the powers of darkness and hell could no longer control their life and their destiny would be in the will of God and in the plan of God and they could fulfill God's will for their life. Are you with me this morning? So there's power in the gospel and every person that you meet and every person that you see and every person that is around you in your sphere of influence is a soul, is a person who may be without God and without hope in this world, but they may be somebody. Of course it is saved and they ought to be telling somebody about Jesus. You shouldn't take too long to identify who Christians are because they should be expressing it in their lifestyle and they should be expressing it through their words and their vocabulary. They should be constantly in some way communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of God in their life by displaying in their character and conduct or speaking the word of God in boldness and authority with conviction in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Say, well, I've been around some people for 10 years and I didn't even know they were saved. Well, it's time they showed up, right? I mean, don't be ashamed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Look around you. Look at all these people in this room. Most everybody in this room, most everybody, say, born again. Think about it. If every one of us would, without shame, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, what could happen in our community? If every one of us, on a daily basis, were determined that we're going to find somebody to share the goodness of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the light of Jesus Christ, 
If we would just be determined, Holy Spirit, direct me, order my steps today, and I am purposed, on purpose, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of God with somebody. If we would just do that every day of our life, we could make an impact on our community, just this church alone. But just think about all the other churches. If everybody in this city was who was saved, born again, would tell somebody about Jesus every day, or share the love of God with somebody, make an impact on somebody's life every day what difference it would make what a difference one day would make in our lives for their life why because we're shining like lights in this world holding forth the word of life so Jesus so valued one soul everybody say one soul Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. But you know, it was not so mystical in the sense that it was so great and God just sent his son to die for the sins of the whole world that God cannot look on one individual and see the value of their soul. Again, Jesus was famous. People gathered around him. People would come to hear him speak. People would come to see the miracles. And yet Jesus would take the time for one individual because he, you know, he wasn't just like, Look at me. I'm the big preacher. I'm the biggest preacher in town. Look at me. No, he wasn't looking at his fame and wanting to be famous. He had to just kind of get away from them just to spend time with the Father, just to spend time in the presence of God. Amen. And then he'd go back and preach again and share the goodness of God again and do the miracles again and heal the sick again and tell them of the goodness of God. But listen, Jesus took the time. And we'll see it in this passage right here. Jesus took the time to talk to one individual who he valued because one soul is valuable to God. So let's begin our reading today. If you'll look with me to verse 1 of chapter 4 of John. When therefore the Lord knew the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto, into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. And then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. So here's Jesus. He's weary. He sits on the well. He's tired. He's been walking. He's been working. And he says, and then there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away to, unto the city to buy meat. So he's hungry, he's thirsty, he's tired, and yet he's valuing this woman's life. In verse 8 it says, for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. And the woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep from whence in hast thou that living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us a well and drank thereof himself and his, and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and saith unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. 
But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband, and come, and, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that saidest thou truly. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say it in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, and now is. (coughs) The hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what. We, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So in this passage, we see this woman who was a Samaritan woman. And in this case, she was actually, uh, you know, mixed with other cultures and other as far as blood. And so in, in their culture, uh, they actually were prejudiced against the, the Samaritans, which we still have prejudice today. And thank God for the blood of Jesus and the grace of God that can wash that out of our soul, wash that out of our life and wash that out of our, our being so that we're, we love people for who they are. Like Dr. King said, thank God you don't judge people by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And even the people that don't have character, you can still love them and have mercy upon them. Amen. And so in this case, this woman didn't have good character character, but Jesus loved her. He was just, he was just going right against the stream or right against the, the flow of the normal behavior in their culture because they were prejudiced, but hey, it didn't matter to Jesus. God loves the world. God is no respecter of persons. And so Jesus, uh, he, in this case, he's sitting there. Remember, he's tired. Remember, he's hungry. Remember, he's thirsty. But he's not just thinking about some water from the well. He's thinking about a soul and the value of this woman's life. And generally, you would not be speaking to the woman like this. And so here, he's just going against the normal uh, behavior, normal cultural thing here. He's speaking to this woman. And he said, she said, well, uh, how is it that thou, being a Jew, speakest to me, a woman like me? What, why would you be talking to me? And he said, if you knew, if you knew who it is that's talking to you, if you knew that, you would have asked him. You would have asked him for a drink of water. And he would have given you living water. Some water that will give you a, a real satisfaction. Right? And so uh, this woman, of course, uh, he begins. What's he doing? He's leading her to the water. Uh, you know, they, the old saying, you can uh, take a horse to the water, uh, but you can't make him drink. But you can sure entice him. Come on. 
In this case, Jesus is just leading her to the water. Come to the waters, all who are thirsty. Come on, come to the waters, anyone who is thirsty. And sometimes you got to share enough of the love of God with people to make them thirsty for what you have. I said, you got to share enough of the love of God and enough of the gospel of Christ, enough of it just to give them an appetizer. Come on, you don't have to give them the whole plate. You don't have to give them the whole dinner. Just give them an appetizer. Just give them something. You know, if somebody gives you, an, I mean, if you even go to Costco, they're standing around with some uh, some, come on, uh, here, here, they're offering you free food. So you then taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and if, if they just get a taste of that, then they might buy it at Costco. If they get a taste of the love of God and the goodness of God expressed through your voice, your attitude, your love is reaching out to them and you're sharing a little bit of the gospel, you're just giving them an appetizer. Listen, so they buy into this deal. This is a good deal. It's all win, all win. No loss in this deal. If you just buy into Jesus, if you, if you, uh, you know, I, I remember years ago, we were uh, in the uh, uh, country of Costa Rica, and I was uh, actually speaking in a Bible school there. And it was like 30 years ago plus. And so we were preaching. My wife and I were there with some missionaries that we supported at the time. And uh, so we're there, and there was this older preacher. He was in the Welch Revival, which is a magnificent move of the Spirit of God. And he was in his, he was over 80 years old. And, and he kept, when he would teach, he kept saying this scripture, and it never left me. He, he kept saying this. He said, buy the truth and sell it not. And he said again, buy the truth and sell it not. In other words, you buy into this and it's something that is so valuable, you don't want to go anywhere else. You're like Peter. And you know, when Jesus said, will you go away also when he was speaking about the blood of Jesus and, and, and eat my flesh, drink my blood, you have no life in you. And, and some of them started walking away. They said, you know, they, didn't, they wanted to watch while they were walking away. They were backing away from Jesus. And, and, and he looked at his disciples. He said, will you go away also? And Peter said, you know, Peter always spoke up, said something if he didn't say the right thing, but he said something. He, and he spoke up and he said, uh, where would we go? This time he got it right. He said, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where would we go to? We, we want to stay here with you. Listen, buy the truth and sell it not. If somebody will buy into this deal, this is the best thing going, and it will last for eternity. Praise God. If you could buy any deal that would last forever, you be a smart buyer, amen? And listen, this is, a, this is a deal that will last forever. It's an eternal truth. It's an eternal reality. Praise God forever. And so we, we just want to lead people to Jesus. We want to we wanna draw them in. Let them know that God is good. Let them taste and see that the Lord is good. If you had a nice meal at a nice restaurant, uh, if you got to get a good appetizer, it just gives you indication the rest is even better. The best is yet to come. Listen, if you got a good appetizer from God, if you will just share enough of the love of God to call them in, to draw them in to Jesus, help them know that there is a God who loves them. There is a grace that is sufficient for them. There is a hope that is a hope of this world. There is a help that will be your help in a time of need. There is a strength that will come to you when you're weak and when you don't know what to do. You get wisdom from God. There's a hope. There's 
wisdom, there's strength, there's joy. There's joy in a time of turmoil. There's peace that passes all understanding. In other words, when you come to God, everything's available. All you need, it's a whole deal package. It's everything included. It's all that you'll ever need. It is nothing missing, nothing broken. It's the grace of God. It's the goodness of God. If we'll just give them an appetizer, they'll want more. Praise God. So if you'll just share the love of God. So Jesus is just working with her. If you knew who it was that was talking to you, you would ask him. He would give you uh, 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 some water that would be like living water. Isn't that right? Then it says in verse, and she's kind of questioning that. But Jesus said, whosoever drinks of this water, in verse 13, shall never thirst. You're never going to thirst again. And she's never had any of that kind of water. Any of you had any of that kind of water? I've got some of that kind of water. Praise God. What does he mean, you'll never thirst again? He said, but whosoever drinks, in verse 14, whosoever drinks of the, the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. In other words, this well is going to be on the inside. This life is going to be on the inside of you. It's going to be something that wells up on the inside of you. It's something that springs up on the inside of you and you'll never be thirsty again in other words you'll not be without water you'll not ever be without life because it'll be on the inside of you now we as Christians ought to thirst for God every day but you got a well on the inside you can drink it anytime you can drink anywhere you can drink it all the time you can drink on the job you can drink at work you can drink at the house you can drink at church you can drink when you're walking down the street you can drink when you go to Costco and eat you can drink when you go to a fine dining restaurant you can drink anywhere you can drink and drive listen You can do this. You can drink of this water that will never run dry. Never run dry. It's a well of water springing up on the inside of you. And it gives you life. It's a well springing up on the inside of you. A well of everlasting life. Are you hearing me today? So the woman said, I, I think, I, I think, I think, I think I might want some of this. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Now, you know, she's sinking naturally so that I don't have to come back and, and you to draw the water out of this well. And Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband. And she's like, What'd you bring that up for? So, Jesus said, go call your husband. And she said, well, wait a minute. Let me get my, find my cell phone. She doesn't have no cell phone to call your husband. She's got to go find him. Right? She's got to go find him. If you're going to call your husband, you don't have a cell phone on you. A little before technology came in. He said, go call your husband. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Now, do you think Jesus is trying to lead her into a trap? No. I believe Jesus is trying to love her. 
He's trying to tell her how much he loves her, even though she has a weak character. Even though she hasn't served God and she hasn't done the right thing, made the right choices. He's letting her know that he loves her beyond all of that. Now, people were always trying to snare Jesus, but they were trying to trap him. But he's just endeavoring to lead her to the water and help her to realize that she needs him. Amen? She said, I don't have any husband. He said, you're well said, right? I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now he didn't say, Thus saith the Lord, thou hast had five husbands. No, he's just conversational. He's just saying, You've well said, said that you have no, no husband, but you've had five husbands, but now the guy that you're with is not your husband. And she said, you're a prophet. Because she, know she knows he's telling the truth. So he's letting her know that obviously she's dissatisfied. In other words, she's gone from one to two to three to four to five. And the next one is on a trial. This is a trial basis. No commitment here. You can have sex, that's all. We'll eat together, sleep together, live together. No commitment. I already have five of you. I want to see what you're going to do. But she is not happy. She is not satisfied. This woman is disappointed, disheartened, broken. She has been through five men, and none of them have satisfied her yet. She's on number six, and who knows how many others she's been with. It's true, because if you read the whole story, the place she went after she accepted Jesus as a Messiah is she went to the men of the city. It didn't say the women. She went to the men of the city. So she's been with somebody. You understand? But listen, Jesus is not condemning her. Jesus is loving her and leading her to the water. Jesus is loving her. He is not condemning her. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. As a church, he's wanting us not to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to the world might be saved. We live in a world of confusion. We live in a world of brokenness. We live in a world of non-commitment. We live in a world of, of people that have all kinds of issues and problems in their life. And they've lived in sin and their lives are broken as a result. But God's mercy and God's grace is on the inside of us. And the mercy 
mercy and the grace that he's shown us, he also will show them. And he wants to do it through you. He wants to show his mercy. He wants you to show the grace of God, the love of God, and lift up your voice and tell somebody about Jesus. He wants you to boldly proclaim unashamed the love of God. Somebody in your sphere of influence is broken and they need hope. They need help. They need Jesus. They need life. They need strength. They need joy. They need peace. They need need satisfaction. And the old song, I can't get no satisfaction. Can you imagine 10,000, 20,000 people shouting that at the top of their lungs? Why would you want to sing, I can't get no satisfaction? I can't get no satisfaction. Why would you want to sing such depression? Because you're messed up. Cause you're blind, cause you don't have understanding of life as it should be. You only understand life as you have experienced it. So it somehow identifies your life so you connect and you sing depressing songs and you sing songs of defeat and death because you don't know victory and life and joy and peace but when you know Jesus you get a new song but empty people sing empty songs Dead people sing death songs. But if you have eternal life and you know Jesus Christ, listen, if you've been through five husbands, you are not satisfied. You just can't get no satisfaction. You just can't get no satisfaction on number two, number three, number four, number five, number six. Ain't making the cut either, but we're still not happy dissatisfied, disappointed, discouraged, defeated, don't know what to do and don't know where you're going to next. But God, hallelujah, God so loved the world and Jesus took the time where he could have been preaching to the multitudes, could have been preaching to thousands, could have been healing the sick, setting demon oppressed people free. He says, there's one valuable soul that I got to talk to. I must needs go through Samaria today. I'm going to sit on a well and I'm going to talk to somebody and I'm going to tell somebody that there's hope for their future. There's hope for their life. There's hope for eternity and they can know Jesus Christ. They can have eternal life and they know who is talking to them. They can know that it's the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the living one, the one who came to this earth to redeem all of humanity, the one who came to die and be buried and be raised again. That's the one she was talking to, the one who would be King of kings and Lord of lords and would sit on a throne for eternity and he would rule, hallelujah, the nations, hallelujah, and will come back and he He'll rule in this earth and he'll sit in the temple of God and he will be forever Lord of lords and King of kings. The one who's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. I'm talking about Jesus, the Son of God, the living Messiah, the Christ of God, the one who came to deliver whosoever will let him come and take of the waters of life freely. 
So while we are in our business of life, let us not be those who condemn. Let us not be those who look and look away from them. No, let us be someone who will look to them. Listen, I was a sinner once. You were a sinner once. You were without hope, without God in the world. But thank God the mercy of God loved you. Somebody believed that you could be delivered. Somebody believed that you could be free. Somebody believed in you. You say, I've been in church all my life. I was too. But I was a sinner in church. And you got to know that if you're a kid in church and you think, well, it's all automatic. It ain't automatic. You got to believe just like everybody else. Come on. So we don't want to have a condemning eye. We don't want to have a critical eye of the world. We don't want to have a critical eye of the teenagers that are struggling with their faith in God. We don't want to have a critical eye on people who are struggling in their relationship with God because they don't have it together yet. No, we want to have a compassionate eye, compassionate call, compassionate voice, a love voice, a voice that cares for people, that cares for their eternity and cares cares for their here and now, cares for their next moment, and cares about them because we know that if we continue down that road, it's going to bring brokenness and destruction to their life. But thank God, when you show compassion, you show mercy, there's something about it. Love is a pulling power that pulls people out of darkness into light, and it causes people to see the real Jesus. And I'm saying to the church today, will the real Jesus stand up? Will the real Christ stand up? Will he stand up in you and me? And let us shine like lights in this world. And let's don't have a condemning eye to the world. When you see people that got, they have tattoos. I don't want a tattoo, but I love people that have them all over themselves. Listen, if you see people that have earrings all over their ears, tongue rings, lip rings, rings everywhere. I'm telling you, you love people. It doesn't matter if their skirt is so short, you see things you shouldn't see. If things are so tight, you see all the bulges and all the stuff that is round and stuff that is not to be seen. All right, so you love people. I said you love people. Let's not condemn the world. Let's not critique the world. We were once there, and how stupid did you look when you were there? How foolish did you act when you were there? But God's love reached out to you, and His mercy reached out to you, and the love of God again and again reached out to you to one day you said, yes, Jesus, I do believe. I got to have help. I need hope. I've been, de- I've been defeated, destroyed, and I am dissatisfied satisfied and I just can't get no satisfaction I need Jesus in my life and when you did that come on you got to come to a place that you really do believe that I need him and that I want him and when you do Jesus never turns you away isn't it amazing to say doesn't matter how you come Jesus takes anyone whosoever will let him come and take of the waters of life freely doesn't matter how you come so church will the real Jesus stand up will the real Jesus shine like a light in this world we're not going to condemn the world We're going to love the world. We're going to love them so much that they can't, they can't. And listen, they just can't resist it. It's so real. It's so real. 
is so genuine, it's so true. There's not one element of plastic to it. It's the real deal. It's the real true love of God that reaches across barriers, cultural lines, racial lines. We live in a world that is broken. Why not? Let's be a picture of Jesus in the earth that can love people no matter what their color of their skin. We don't judge them because of the color of their skin. And we don't even judge them because of the lack of character. We love them. We know they got problems, but we love them. Come on, Jesus is a lover. He's a lover. Come on, Jesus is a real lover of your soul. If, you, if you've never been loved by Jesus, you haven't been loved yet. I said, if you've never been loved by Jesus, you haven't been loved yet. In other words, if you've never received his love, you don't know what love is. People sing about love and they don't know what it is. I'm telling you, Jesus is alive. And the world needs him. And you have the answer. And you have the light. And you have the words of life. And if you don't tell them, my question to you is, who will? You say, I'm waiting. If not now, when? When you're going to do this? When you're going to take a step, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to know 25 Bible verses. If you just say one, there's so much power in one verse of Scripture that tells of the love of God. It can melt a heart in a moment. Say, what if it doesn't? Well, you planted the seed that it will come up. Somebody else will come and water it. I'm not focusing on what don't happen or doesn't happen. I'm focusing on what will happen. God is a good God. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Word of Life Christian Center, where we seek to move upward in prayer and worship, inward in discipleship, and outward in evangelism. We are so excited that you decided to connect with what God is doing here. And if you want to learn more, go to wordoflifelv.com.